ecocide, ecocide, and why should you be concerned about it? We've also got a whole bunch of clips from the WEF from their most recent gathering. And ecocide is fundamentally like murder, but environmental crimes. So the comparison is, you know, if you're a good person, basically, you know that murder and torture and these things are wrong, but there's no real equivalent on the environment side. And I, I don't know about that, but what they're trying to do is criminalize these behaviors. But at the end of her speech, she starts talking about how people are just trying to make energy and do all of these very mundane things. And I think she herself even, she stops believing what she's saying and then gets it back at the end. But the whole thing is kind of nonsensical and doesn't make any kind of sense. It's anti-human. Um, and so I'll show you that. There's a whole lot to get to. Let's get to it first. We're going to start with Rachel Notley. Without Papers Pizza says, and, and this guy um, had his restaurant shut down, a whole, bunch of, a whole bunch of stuff because these, not Rachel Notley personally, but um, a lot of what was happening was very, very political and politicized. And these people made political hay by demonizing people like Without Papers Pizza. So he says, Rachel Notley has resigned as the leader of the NDP. Please dump all Rachel Notley memes here. So if you're interested in <laughs> Justin T Trudeau, Rachel Notley, it's a disturbing, disturbing picture. So people are responding uh, as you would predict which is interesting. Here's Rachel Notley's goodbye tweet. She says, thank you, Alberta, short of having and raising my family, the opportunity, the opportunity to serve this party and this province has been the honor of my life. The people of Alberta are bold, friendly, open, caring, and adventurous. I've learned so much from them. Thank you to all the Albertans I've met today along or met along the way, those who advised me, supported me, and even disagreed with me. I love this province and I know that our best days are still ahead. Well, yeah, because she's not going to be the premier, so that's good. It's good news. Best days still ahead. Still true, right? Um, wild and crazy. And it's very interesting how we can have such a toxic political environment. And then after people leave, people are like, oh, you know, good work, blah, blah, blah. It's such a weird, it's such a weird trapping of modern society. Bruce is responding to this Canada Proud video. And this Canada Proud video is talking about, we're going to talk about CO2 now. Um, talking about something I long, I've been talking about for a while, and it's essentially jump out of this airplane, we'll build one on the way down. There is no alternative, no alternative whatsoever to the oil and gas solution of heating your barns, heating your homes, moving your groceries, goods, and all of the rest of it. We've built our infrastructure to rely on this. If we didn't have this, we wouldn't have the country we've got. Period. Period. Just there's like full stop. There is no alternative. You could maybe get a barrel and burn wood in the barrel, but that would be way less efficient than the system that we've got now. Way less efficient. Like by orders of magnitude less efficient. It, it would be stupid. There is no system to move to. They just want us to freeze in the dark and it makes zero sense. And here is an Albertan. I think it's an Albertan, a, a Western Canadian um, to illustrate exactly what I'm just talking about. Here we go. It's currently minus 43 Celsius with the wind chill right now in central Alberta. And I'm all for green energy. But honestly, if it wasn't for natural gas, there'd be thousands of people in Western Canada right now freezing to death. Along with all the animals in the barns that farmers are trying to keep warm. What do you do? What is the alternative? There isn't a practical alternative to natural gas right now to keep us from freezing to death in Western Canada. So what does the carbon tax do? 
Well, it's just a tax because really a behavioral tax will do no good if there isn't a practical alternative. And until we find a practical alternative, it's totally useless. And all it is, is just a tax. Dro baby dro, right? I think that's the solution. I think we, I think we could reliably and safely go back to cheap energy production through coal and other mining. We could do it quickly, rapidly, while we wait, while we build nuclear with no worry of the environment. And if there's an environmental worry, well, you find that break point. You find where coal becomes more trouble than it's worth, right? And so you stop using coal at that level. And you say, okay, this is how many coal plants that we can do. This is, this is practical. This is what makes sense. And don't do any more, right? And I think Ontario had, coal, had smog days, um, but then we phased out the coal plants and no more smog days. But I don't know that we need to phase out all the coal plants. And I'm not trying to sell coal here. That's not, that's not my thing. I'm just trying to say, if our goal is cheap, rapid deployment of energy on the grid to make it cheap and accessible, that's probably the fastest way, right? Cheap, rapid energy is not nuclear. Cheap, rapid energy is not windmill. Cheap, rapid energy, natural gas. Natural gas probably does it too. So, I mean, you could double, triple, quadruple down on natural gas, but why aren't we? Like, if that's a solution, if that's an environmentally sound solution, why don't we have a coast-to-coast LNG pipeline put in like ASAP? Why isn't anybody talking about it? Because they don't work for us. That's why. Because they're trying to shut us down. That's why. Anyway, regardless, there's not a practical alternative, right? Not coal, natural gas. There's not a practical alternative to natural gas. And I'm just advocating for the cheapest, most efficient energy to make it accessible to everyone to drive down the prices of everything, right? Because if, if energy is cheap, if running, your, if running your property is cheap, then you can afford to make allowances in other places. It's, man, it's just wild. It's just wild what's going on. Um, Arsenio Hall says this things that make you go, hmm. And he says, what is the projected cost to Canadian taxpayers to retrofit all first responder locations with EVs and charging stations? What's the projected grid strain just on the things that are government responsibilities and, and you know, municipal provincial responsibilities? Have they done the math on this? I, I don't think it's possible. I honestly don't think like fire engines. How many fire engines do you need to fight the to fight the same fire if they're evs right and wild right it's absolutely incredible and here is um i've got i've got this on telegram hold on let me check something i got this sent to me yesterday this is i've been talking about how evs just are not going to cut it in canada it's not going to work alberta never mind i mean ontario is bad enough like ontario we're eight minus 18 this morning and everybody's saying oh it's so cold i had an extra blanket on my feet i don't like my feet getting cold at night so i had an extra blanket on on my feet but everybody's talking about how cold it is at minus 18. And Alberta's colder than that, a lot colder than that, right? And has been for a while. But this guy is talking about how Chicago, and this is Fahrenheit, so this is quite cold. Like the temperatures are very cold. I think it's Fahrenheit anyway. I believe it's Fahrenheit. And he's talking about these cold temperatures and how Teslas are not faring very well at all. And that is bad because, well, I mean, it's bad for EVs because it's not going to happen. I don't think... EVs are practical. I don't think anybody who, if we go down this EV pathway for a couple of years, we're going to wake up real quick. And I mean, we might be waking up right now to this idea that EVs are not the kind of cars you want to buy uh, in the lead up to them outlying gas vehicles. 
Here's this report on Teslas. Here we go. Weather in Chicago is leaving dead Teslas to rot in parking lots. So the Chicago area is experiencing some extreme cold this week. I'm talking. Hold on a second. I need to fix the sound. Okay, this should be normalized. Here we go. The cold weather in Chicago is leaving dead Teslas to rot in parking lots. So the Chicago area is experiencing some extreme cold this week. I'm talking like negative three degrees or negative 30 with the wind chill. And because of the cold, multiple Tesla supercharger stations around the area are down. The worst part, Tesla has yet to comment about it. The big problem with EVs in cold weather is that the batteries need to be kept at a reasonable temperature in order for it to be driven and charged properly. So when the temperatures drop that low, the batteries are working overtime to keep its temperature regulated. This means as the temperature drops, so will your range significantly and charging times will increase by two or three times. One of the Tesla owners whose car was dead at the supercharger station in Evergreen Park said that his battery was projected to charge in two hours, which normally it takes 45 minutes. Combine those extremely long charging times with multiple charging stations down, and you're left with a Tesla wasteland in the Chicago winter. Multiple Tesla owners and users on Twitter have been reaching out to Tesla, and they have nothing to say about the matter. So with many of their cars dying before they can reach a working charger, many were forced to have their Tesla towed, or get picked up and abandon their electric vehicle for the time being. So as more of these EV cold weather stories arise, it becomes more and more obvious that Tesla is a Southern California based company and also why many auto brands are walking back on those huge EV promises. Right. Like Hertz and abandoning all those Teslas that it picked up for rentals. Right. So that's interesting if you ask me. And what's the future of EVs? I don't think there is much of a future in EVs. Like a, a niche car for a third car, maybe the, the gigatruck thing is kind of cool. But again, I think it's a niche thing because of the, the amount of time it takes to charge. If you're sitting there, I, I read a story about a guy who, who spent $100 at a charging station sitting there for two hours he, and he had to sit there with the heating on, right? Wild stuff, wild stuff. And I mean, like, you don't, you don't have to do that in a gas car, right? Like you think about how much gas it's taking while you're sitting there in an idling vehicle, but that's about it. Not much though, right? Like you don't think that much about it. Mary says a picture is worth a billion words. Here's John Kerry. And I'm going to, you're going to see a speech from John Kerry in a minute and our climate czar, um, Gelbo, right? And they're, well, two peas in a pod, those two. Here is a uh, Illuminati coin. And <laughs> this is a Ford F1, uh, F250, F150 pickup truck running an AWS hydrogen fuel system. So a custom made hydrogen technology from Aaron Salter and he was killed. So just like Stanley Meyer, Buffalo security guard, Aaron Salter invented a water powered engine and was killed shortly after. There is no coincidence. The system desperately wants to hide any free energy technology. This also further proves that there's more meets the eye when it comes to the Buffalo tops shooting. So like for me, this is one of those things where if a generator if it stands to reason that you could get a generator big enough to run your house, and I think you can generally, like you could get a generator that puts out enough that you could run your, like say the major kitchen appliances, you could run a toaster, you could run a kettle, you could run a hot plate. So you could run a kitchen, right? Like probably not a 240 stove, but you could get a generator to do a lot, right? And then could you not have a, a, an onboard power system at home if you if you wanted to? But it, like... It's cheaper to do it with the system that we've got. But I've seen people who have natural gas generators at their home and they run like that. So that's interesting to me as well. Um, but fundamentally, if you had an 
engine that could run an F Ford F-150, could you not upside that engine? Probably, right? And if you're doing electrolysis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm sure you could upsize not just the engine, like make it industrial, right? You could run, you could run big things with a system like this. And then, but unfortunately, right? Somebody puts that together and tells people about it, right? Like you're done, buddy. So you have to go hide in Northern Ontario, cut civilization into like the trees by yourself, have your own machine that doesn't exist and hope that you can figure it out. Well, it does, it does exist, right? People have made this. This guy's made this and he was just a security guard, right? And also apparently, you know, he could plumb and things like that. The the engine's quite well documented in this little documentary here. But I love I love this stuff. I think that it's really interesting because it's such a cool proof of concept. It seems so accessible, but also out of out of reach because it's not like I could build that. I don't think that I could build that. Although people will say, oh yeah, you could totally build that. I don't know, man. I've also seen, I saw somebody using, and it, you can find it on YouTube, I, I think HHO gas engine or HHO engine. And what happened is in the end, he's showing how he's running the car on the HHO gas, but it's not driving anywhere because his setup is too big. So he hasn't he hasn't shrunk it down yet to put it into the car. So he's got all the, the, everything set up and he's running the car and he's like revving the engine and everything. And then the, the HHO gas canister that feeds the combustion engine um, exploded. <laughs> and I mean, like it was, it was, I think it was plastic, it may have been glass, but he was in the car revving the engine and then the engine died. Like the engine went like nothing happened anymore. And he's like, what happened? And he looks over, he's like, oh man, that, that exploded. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not, it's not like it's super easy. I'm not saying it's super easy. I'm just saying like there's people who have done it. So that's interesting proof of concept for me. Um, it says that people can do it. And also if you do do it and then try and bring it to market, uh, you run into an unfortunate accident with the Clintons or whoever, right? <laughs> Whoever's got the interest in. Uh, herd immunity news says, breaking news. We're witnessing further ULEZ camera retirements at an alarming pace through London, feeling... Fellings of Sadi Khan's kit are spreading like wildfire. So rapidly, it's only a matter of time before ULEZ is abolished. HIN have heard reports hordes of drivers in the greater London area are opting out of ULEZ completely by not signing on to auto pay in other cities. Hundreds of thousands of motorists are refusing to pay for a crooked ICL TFL science. We all want to see fairness and justice in the UK. Crimes against the public, including fraud and robbery, are not to be tolerated ever. And yeah, it, it really does feel like the government is committing these kind of crimes against their citizens and they're justifying it by saying no 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 the climate is super super scary and you definitely need to let us continue robbing you but i just don't get it i i I do get what they're doing and i understand what they're saying but it's lost the magic nobody believes their bullshit anymore in fact everybody says hey your behavior says exactly the opposite of what your words say because you're buying houses on the coast and things like that you're hypocritical for flying around in private jets. And why should we change our behavior when our carbon footprint is a quarter or a tenth of yours? For starters, right? Not to mention the holes in this whole 97% of scientists all agree, blah, 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 bullshit. So these people, these arrogant, arrogant people want to continue stealing from us and they don't want us to find out and stop the gravy train. I think that's fundamentally what's going on. Chief Nerd says, John Kerry says, not one democratically elected politician can stop the climate agenda. That's pretty scary. That's pretty ominous, right? Even if you get that Donald Trump guy in here, he's not going to stop the climate agenda. I would say 
Trump, Trump says challenge, challenge accepted. We'll get there at the end of the show. Here's uh, John Kerry. You know, it's absolutely critical that we accelerate. I am convinced beyond any doubt that because of the decisions being made in the marketplace now, because, I mean, you know as well as I do, even if, uh, you know, I don't want this, obviously, but if you wound up with a different president who was opposed to climate crisis, I got news for you. No one politician anywhere in the world can undo what is happening now. The marketplace is doing this. And the only issue for all of us is, is not whether or not we can get or will get to a low-carbon, no-carbon economy globally. We will. The only question is, will we get there in time to meet the challenge of the scientists in order to avoid the worst consequences of this crisis? That is what is at stake. Bull you know, poop. Absolute lies. Nothing that that person said was true. Just, it's unbelievable. It's jaw-dropping how they will look you square in the eye and lie to you like that. It's so crazy. Uh, True North is reporting, speaking at WEF 2024, Cheryl Moore of Welcome Trust says countries need to take urgent global action now to reduce emissions and safeguard human health now. Moore claims climate change is causing physical harm and psychological stress. So for your safety, comrade, we have to freeze in the dark because your kids might freeze in the dark if we continue with this climate thing. Um, if we continue doing what we're doing on our on our current track. They are trying to destroy Western society and justify it. This is the justification. Impacts on human health from climate change and exposure to climate events like floods, droughts, and extreme heat can lead to psychological stress, um, which can trigger existing mental health programs, pro, pro, uh, problems or exacerbate others. We're working to quantify these impacts and to develop interventions to support mental health. Reliable evidence can drive discussions that lead to change. For example, Sham talked about the report that's coming out today that cites the potential for 14.5 million deaths and $12.5 trillion worth of economic losses worldwide if we continue on the trajectory we're on. We have to take urgent global action to reduce emissions and to safeguard human health now. So it's great to see the increased awareness of the impacts of climate change on health, and we're encouraged to see many other organizations taking up these critical challenges. So she's saying, if you don't do what we say, you're going to incur $12 trillion of costs and all sorts of deaths, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fear tactics. It's a threat. It's a threat, right? Lovely story you've got here. Shame if, you know, some vandals came in here and broke it all up. You should probably pay the protection money the gang sent out in the little flyer there, right? You didn't call the police, did you? Right? It's a threat. It's a threat. Rebel News is reporting. This is WEF. This is terrifying. With, and, and all of these women, and it seems like a lot of them are women, until you get into the upper echelon, it seems like a cult, right? Klaus is the, is the cult leader. Um, and all of these women are acolytes, right? Oh, Klaus. Um, Justin Trudeau included. The, but they all sound the same, right? They all have this kind of condescending air about everything they're saying. They know they're 100% right. And if everybody just listened to them, everything would be better. I've worked with women like this. It's just frustrating because... Often they're not correct. 
here is another example of a WEF person not being correct. This is Rebel News. They report Jojo Meta, founder of Stop Ecocide Now and an alley of Greta Thunberg, tells the WF panel about her desire to criminalize the side effects of making money from farming, fishing, and creating energy. So she vilifies people. And then she starts talking about what these people are doing, farming, fishing, making energy. And she kind of, you can tell she kind of stumbles like, oh, I can see the hole in this. And she tries to, she kind of recovers, I guess, if you're not paying attention, but uh, her face betrays the panic kind of halfway through explaining that people who are just making energy are actually contributing to climate change and need to be shut down. Here's this woman. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, but legally speaking, um, what our organisation and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognised legally as a serious crime. Because one of the issues that sort of pervades all of this discussion is that we have a kind of cultural, very ingrained habit of not taking damage to nature as seriously as we take damage to people and property. Um, and that, I mean, you know, if you're campaigning for human rights, at least you know mass murder, torture, all of these things are serious crimes. But there's no equivalent in the environmental space. Um, and so, and, and you know, unlike a, an international crime like genocide that in, involves a specific intent, with ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do, is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are... Um, you know, producing energy and so on um, as well. But what's, it, what's missing is the awareness and the conscience around the side effects, around the collateral damage that happens with that. So she wants to criminalize farming, fishing, and making energy as something equivalent to murder or torture. Those fishermen, farmers, and energy creators, miners, whatever you want to call them, are, are criminals, are committing murder. They just don't see it yet. We have to criminalize it to help them understand that what they're doing is not helping society by, you know, providing food and, nece and, and necessary energy. No, no, no. They're committing ecocide, in fact, and that's a crime. You're welcome, right? Green zealots who, who are so arrogant that they think they're exactly right and everybody should just listen to them. She's exactly the opposite of correct. Here is Klaus Schwab, who's change the word trust to trusteeism, I think. Here's close talking about trust. Here's It's the last minute of this eight-minute speech. It's not really worthwhile. He doesn't say much. I think it's a whole lot of um, word association, really. But anyway, here's the last minute kind of in conclusion, he says. Conclusion, trust is a fundamental pillar of our social, economic, and political lives. It is vital for cooperation, social cohesion, and effectively functioning institutions. To rebuild trust, there is a fundamental need to embody trusteeship, which means to care for the greater good. Let's use this annual meeting to rebuild trust by exercising our trusteeship individually and collectively for safeguarding the future of humanity and nature. It's not his job to safeguard the future of humanity and nature. Like this, the arrogance of this guy, holy smoke, first. And the, the, 
magic political trick of tying one word to another word and then talking about the other word as if they're the same thing. Like, oh, trust and trusteeship, blah, 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 bullshit. What nonsense. What arrogance. These people think they're an unelected quasi-government and they should be corrected in the most severe way. You know, like choke callers in the 80s? I don't agree with them. But <laughs> they were widely used and they seem to work very well. Bring them to heel. Very, very gently-ish. You know, don't hurt the dog. Um, I, I genuinely mean that. Um, Disclosed TV is reporting Harvard Naomi O. And I, the freeze here, just, I mean, with all of the questions around um, an ideology being pervasive everywhere, right? Is, is this person a biological male or a biological female? They're saying, I think female, right? Naomi, Harvard though. So anyway, somebody was asking genuinely, I was going to, I was going to uh, tag it, but whatever. Um, anyway, here is at Davos, this World Economic Forum. Naomi here says that X is a, such a toxic place with a scary name. Elon responds, X is literally a letter from the alphabet. So yeah, terrifying name. Oh my gosh. X. Oh, oh my God. Perfect. Here is Naomi. For a long time, oh. I was on. Well, yeah, okay. I didn't, I thought that it was up at 15. It's not. On Twitter. Um, and now it's become such a toxic place that I've concluded it's not a worthwhile place to spend time. And as you said, it is exhausting. So you do have to pick and choose. And you have to think about where the places where you can get your message across. But I am trying to figure out, I mean, I have given up on X. What a scary name that even is, right? <laughs> um, and I don't know what the alternative is right now. So the question of the social media, I must say that I have abandoned Twitter too, uh, so X, because yeah, it's a toxic environment. And we talk about, I have no solution on that, mm -hmm. but I think one day it will come the moment of the um, code of conduct mm -hmm. in these places, because journals, journalists, if you spread crazy news and uh, insults and if you if a journalist says racist things he can uh, he can be amended exactly. why on so why social media yes. that they have such big power we still can because it's new but i think we, there will be a societal reflection on how information is brought mm -hmm. there of course on x now there is also the the policy of the, the of the owner that is problematic but i think this is a problem of uh, of the society of the future the deontology in social media interesting interesting on lots of different levels they're saying, I think there's going to be a code of conduct. You can't spread false information. Journalists have a code. They have standards, you know. But X isn't full of journalists. X is full of regular people who are talking about the happenings of the day. Some sports teams. Somebody was talking about how the NFL is rigged, right? Like, if you say that's dangerous information for the NHL, NFL, you know, the, the, their stock might tank if people believe that. Dangerous information. We've got to silence. We've got to silence you on that. Is that acceptable or can, are you allowed to talk about that, right? And that's what they're doing on a global scale. These unelected people who think that they're in running the world and they're trying to run the world. Everybody's also trying to vilify X, you know, X is toxic, so on and so forth. They're, they're trying to make these cases in the public eye. And what they're, I think they're trying to do is they're trying to influence people like 
cities, smaller influencers that go to X to promote their whatever it is to move to the alternative. But the alternative, while it may be built, what is it, threads? I was going to say shield, <laughs> threads. It doesn't, it's not the same thing. Like if somebody says, oh, we posted on threads, people are going to say, oh yeah, cool. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a threads account because I don't care that much. You're just losing potential, you know, eyeballs. That's it. So that's interesting. And here is Road to Serfdom. And they say, many of the points that I make are seemingly dramatic, but actually merely subtle clarifications on what is already widely understood, but misidentified or misinterpreted. Most obvious example is that the state is designed to do what it's doing. It's not corrupt. Elections won't help. And I, I wanted to point this out because I, I sometimes will say, because like fundamentally this started as a political show. And I, I look at this through a political lens. So when I say out of touch, people have tried to say like, oh, they're not out of touch. They're doing this on purpose. And yeah, I want, I'm using this thread to illustrate that yes, they're definitely doing this on purpose. They're not out of touch as such. But in a traditional political kind of analysis of the whole thing, politicians who behave as out of touch as these politicians behave now would usually traditionally lose their jobs. And so that's just why I kind of go back to that because it seems like how out of touch can you be and retain your position, right? And because a lot of people who don't, I, I, I think a lot of people who don't understand the depth of how bad it is can watch this show and, and they understand the out of touch reference right? And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm not saying I don't understand it. I do understand what's going on. I think far, far more than a lot of people understand it, but I'm not trying to mislead by saying out of touch. I am saying they're doing this on purpose for sure. And I think they're using a bumbling kind of uh, appearance to cover their, their tracks, right? They look like they're incompetent. So one of the razors that you use is is don't attribute malice to what could reasonably be attributed to incompetence, right? And if they look incompetent and it could be reasonably attributed to incompetence, why would they be treasonous communists, right? Maybe they're just incompetent Canadians. No, they're treasonous communists because they damn well know the damage they're doing. They damn well do. And it doesn't seem like anybody's going to stop them. So anyway, they're doing it on purpose. I know they're doing it on purpose. Out of touch is just a... Uh, well, a comfortable phrase to to sit in it for a little while. Maybe I should stop using it. Anyway, regardless, back to Road to Serfdom. He says, and I think there's a lot of points that are well made here. The state hasn't mistakenly foisted a dangerous medical procedure unknowingly or without due consideration. It has carefully examined its options and chosen the most destructive biological weapon it could reasonably deploy, meticulously planning a propaganda campaign to coincide. Importation of vast numbers of migrants isn't a failure of border security, but a coordinated campaign to cause chaos and dilute existing populations. Obviously, this has been done by the state deliberately with the full cooperation of its agents, agencies, and corporate organs. Sustained decades-long reckless spending hasn't been an accounting error or an actuarial faux pas. The state has deliberately diluted the currency by increasing money supply in order to produce accelerating inflation with the goal of collapsing the economy and destroying society. I don't know about, I don't know about destroying society. I don't think that they want to go that far. I, there are a lot of people, and me included, I talk about this a while, for a while. You, you can have a certain amount of chaos but if you plunge people into a situation where they cannot feed themselves, you will have a complete revolt. Like if, pe if people miss nine meals, I think nine meals is the magic number, but I could be wrong on that. Could be less. People miss nine meals. 
all of a sudden they're not rational or reasonable anymore and you've got a mob right and if it's policies that that mob blames for what happened then they're going to go after the people who are responsible for the policies and replace them and the people who are in charge don't want to lose control right and so there has to be and that's why i talk about how they're going to they're going to starve people using a cbdc because they'll say just get food dummy but the food will be tied to the central bank digital currency and made of crickets so like it's a double edged sword right like if you if you get the food to not starve well you're you're completely adhering to the whole you know nwo kind of plan and that's part of the plan and so destroying society maybe if if by destroying society he means destroying the society that we knew in the early 2000s 1990 and bringing forth this bug eating cbdc um social credit score all, all of that then i would agree with him but if you're talking about destroyed society like everybody's living in huts and we're hunting with spears not so much hunting with spears lucky if we can figure out how to make a spear right jeepers creepers is there a google for that like making a spear <laughs> back to this government so destroying society that might be a bit hyperbolic but maybe not depending on the definition but government schools haven't accidentally ceased to teach us useful skills <laughs> spear making 101 um enforced a syllabus of nonsense and encouraged rampant social discord these programs were insinuated mean girls is kind of a, a look at that like you look at the kind of structure of high school and it is it's not it's not really great for education. There are like, there are better ways you could educate people. It's okay for pushing people into, it's it's okay for pushing round holes into square pegs, right? It's okay for shaping people into uh, cogs in a wheel. But I don't know that it's a great way to educate people. And it's interesting because we've all just kind of accepted that school is what it is. But like the the social structures of high school are often way more toxic than the social structures of adulthood. Like adulthood, I don't have to deal with people I don't like. I don't have to, I mean, most of the time. <laughs> and maybe maybe some people do, but like if you're being bullied at work, you don't have to go in the hallway and like get bullied. You can sort that out, I think easier than you could sort that out in the early 90s or whatever in school. It's just a really toxic environment. So anyway, I diatribe, let's move on. These programs were instituted specifically to facilitate the aforementioned goals with minimal resistance from an uninformed population. I think the more damaging thing that schools teach our kids is to sit down and wait for somebody to tell them what to do. People do not self-direct. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to decide what to do next. They don't know how to set goals. They don't know how to... Deciding something that you want to do and then figuring out how to actually make that happen is very difficult and schools don't teach that they just have somebody tell you what to do and it's just wild because if people get lazy and then they don't fight for themselves they'll just wait around and then they think that there's a teacher a hierarchy where some person is in charge and that person has agency and they can tell you what to do well no like the world doesn't quite work like that not quite but the schools want you to believe that it does Back to this. Once the premeditated malicious nature of what the state has done and is doing is understood, it becomes impossible, improbable to consider these highly intertwined and interrelated destructive policies could have been enacted by incompetent bumblers simply unaware of their inevitable conclusions. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it makes a good case for they did this. They did this on purpose and they're using the incompetence as a cover. Maybe. Don Martin. So... The WEF is a clear and present danger to all of the world. They want to act as a de facto government and they're not all that shy about it. And they think they're 
in the right. They think that they have every right to do exactly what they're doing. And they think that everybody's on board. Everybody's cool with it. We're helping, right? It's wild. It's absolutely incredible. Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to CanadaPoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.